1: Welcome back Tiger fans to Rockin' Nations Football Podcast. I'm Nate Edwards, that's Brandon bk Kylie. This is Before the Box Score, your midweek check-in during a bye week. Bye weeks are great because it's impossible for your Missouri football Tigers to lose a college football game. That is 100% fat. Science back that up. BK, how you doing, man?
0: I'm doing great, Nate. It's good to be with you today. We have nothing to be negative about and that makes me happy. How are you doing, my friend? Doing good.
1: Coming over a head cold, so I got this nice, like worn-out voice that I get to use to talk for the next hour or so. It's gonna be great. Uh, liquidating with a nice Bud Light to keep myself loose and ready to talk about Missouri football. We did get some good news off the field, actually, and I want to start with this because it's just it's fun. We got a new recruit. Remember when remember when Eli Drinkwitz was was good at recruiting? Remember when he was good at that? <laughs> And, like, all these recruits wanted to play for him. And we got really excited about recruiting because a lot of guys committed. And we got to take a look at their rivals rankings and their 247 rankings and see how talented they were. And that just, just just hasn't really happened. In fact, the last guy to commit to Missouri was uh, a guy named Logan Reichert. And that was back in September. September 8th, to be exact. So it has been over a month before we had anybody really commit. Uh, and that was broken a couple of nights ago when Philip, we're going to say Roche, we're going to go with Roche on this one, uh, even though I think Roche and Deloche would be a lot more fun, but we're going to throw it with a little bit of French pizzazz, Roche, Philip Roche, uh, the three-star athlete out of Merrillville, Indiana, 13th best player in the state of Indiana, according to rivals, he is six-one. he is 190 pounds, He's a 5.63 star and the dude can hit BK. You took a look at his film. You seemed to like a few things. Tell us about what you saw.
0: The number one thing that I saw, Nate, is that he, he likes to hit people like he is completely unafraid to go out there and do whatever is necessary to make sure that the opposing team gets to the ground. He is a very good blitzer. I also should add, His position is kind of ubiquitous. Like it is, I am going to be the guy in the defensive backfield that's really good at football. So he played a little corner. He played a little safety. He played a little linebacker. He played a little nickel. He lines up all over the field. He's technically listed as an athlete. To me, he looks in high school the way that Dalen Carnell looks in college at Mizzou. I think he just fits right into that star role and they're recruiting him most likely to be in that capacity. I also really like what he represents as a commit. So when you look at where he's rated, he's a 5.63 star on rivals. I I really like that range of 5.6 to 5.7 guys, because sometimes they go a little under the radar. And so Mizzou fans who have been caught up, understandably so, I'd do the same thing. And like, hey, who are the blue chips? Who are the blue chips? When are they getting them? When is the blue chip going to get here? This guy's interesting to me. Here are some of his offers, Nate, at least as listed um, on Rivals. Boston College, Cincinnati, Indiana, Nebraska, Purdue, and Wisconsin at least had some interest, although they have not technically offered yet. And then, of course, he ended up uh, committing to Mizzou. He's from the state of Indiana. That's a really good offer list. Like, that's that's a really solid guy to go into another state and get a commit from. And those are the types of players, credit where it is due, that Barry Odom did a really good job of getting to Mizzou. He would find somebody that was a little under the radar, maybe not a top five guy in another state, but in that like six to 15 type of a range that you go in and you're like, man, this this guy looks like he's a really good football player. And he ends up committing and he gets to Mizzou and he becomes Larry Roundtree or Tyler Beatty or so many of these other guys that you have now come to know and really appreciate. Trajan Jeffcoat was one of those guys. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy to see them going out and getting these types of players once again, because while this staff has been very good at getting those top of the line types of guys, especially in state. I do think some of their recruiting of like the mid-tier player has maybe been lacking a bit. And this might show a a return to the mean when it comes to that kind of a recruit. Yeah.
1: I, I find it interesting how how these offers go out. And and I think this one in particular is interesting to me because they do project him as a defensive back, maybe corner, maybe safety, whatever. But those are two positions that are pretty well stocked right now. Uh, we got, uh, seven corners. All of them have at least two years to play if they want
0: it. I think he's a star. Like I think his position is locked in. as. So then you go to
1: safety where there's nine dudes and all of them could come back next year. That it's not saying that they all will. Good thing that, you know, Jalen Carlisle could leave. Martez Manuel's is probably going to leave. Like I understand that part, but he's walking into a very loaded safety room or very loaded corner room. And not only that, but this staff has targeted and gotten three defensive backs in this class. And we didn't know it at the time heading into this season, but this secondary has played very, very, very well. (laughs) And then you look at, you know, say the offensive line. And I know they offered a lot of blue chip offensive linemen and they they all went somewhere else. And, you know, maybe we're trying to flip a couple that went to Oklahoma, maybe. But the point is, we have one offensive lineman coming in from high school. So, I mean, a high school recruit is not going to be an immediate impact, right? Especially on the line. I understand that. It takes one to two years for offensive linemen typically to put on the good weight, get used to playing at that next level. So targeting four offensive linemen in this class is not going to be the immediate band-aid that we are thinking that we need. I understand that. But it is interesting that they have targeted the defensive secondary and gotten a bunch of guys to sign when that has been the best position group this year arguably bk am i reading too much into this or do you think this is more of a well we expect these guys to leave and we just need to keep the pipeline going
0: so who would you say is the third right now at the star position
1: because
0: th- i i view it as being a different position yes like, i understand that safety corner th- this is almost different this is like a nickel. Or, but it's it's even a little different than the nickel, so that's that's why it becomes kind of difficult to discuss. It's like a combination of a safety, linebacker, nickel right, corner. Right. So if you have all three of those skill sets in one, that's what you need for this position. It's why it can, it can at times be a little difficult to recruit to. The obvious number one right now is Martez yeah. Manuel. Dalen Carnell is number two. Who do you think is number three uh, at that by position? By
1: snaps, right it's Tyler Jones, but I don't know if that's your actual long term
0: answer. So that's why I think that it makes sense for them to add somebody. Sure. Because I I think next year, um, it's very much in play that you see Martez Manuel move Mm -hmm. on. I don't know if he's going to be able to come back or not, or if he wants to come back or not. Um, I would say Dalen Carnell is probably your starter at that spot. And then, I mean, I know he's a true freshman, but maybe Philip Roche is your backup next year going into the season. And I don't think he would be that. I think it would be one of those things where it's like number two and name only. Where if Dalen Carnell missed time, you would probably see somebody else slide down into that spot that's currently on the roster as a safety. Sure. But I think at least in terms of on the two deep, it's possible that he becomes that guy that's on that spot. So I think it makes sense that they would add him because I think that they're almost viewing that as a completely separate position than a corner or a safety.
1: Yeah. And Jamarian Wayne.
0: I also think Brayshawn Littlejohn might be. Able
1: well, to I know that we like him and he's kind of a size that can be a little bit of both. So who knows? Isaac Thompson and Jamarian Wayne are your youngest safeties in the room right now. Uh, Isaac, I think is more of a coverage guy. If I remember his play at SLU, uh, yeah. Jamarian Wayne was a wide receiver. So, you know, whatever that's going to be. <laughs> um, so, you know, you got Nick the who's projected as a corner. He's a wide receiver right now, projected as a corner. And then Shamar McNeil, who is also projected as a corner. Again, none of this means anything until they get on campus, but three defensive backs, two corners and a safety. Like I get that. And I'm, that makes sense. Uh, it's just, it seems like a lot. And, Looking at the the depth chart and the pop potential people to leave, yeah, I I think it's more of an insurance piece. And obviously, you need to have guys that can play these roles. And he seems like a very good uh, star player uh, as, as far as the, the position, not as a you know uh, quality, but maybe both. So you do need that uh, with Martez leaving. It's just i just curious. You know, you look at these offers and they offer a you know thousand billion guys because it's football, but. And the ones you get, it's it's kind of interesting that the the best position is getting reloaded the fastest where the ones of need aren't. But then again, we are in the world of the transfer portal and maybe the offensive line questions are not answered by high schoolers, but rather transfers from other schools.
0: The, that that would be my guess. Here's a question for you, Nate, and this is a bi-week type of a question because we don't know the answer, but just out of pure speculation, Martez Manuel, Joseph Charleston, J, Jalen Carlisle. If I set the over under at two and a half of them being done at the end of the year, not returning in 2023, I think probably Carlisle would be NFL related. Charleston Emmanuel just saying, you know what? I've I've done college football for a long time. I think I'm good here. Would you take the over or under two and a half out of those three being gone at the end of
1: the year? My my knee jerk reaction is under, but really, I, I don't think Charleston leaves uh Martez Manuel has another year if he wants it I don't think he does Jalen Carlisle is getting enough buzz in the NFL that he should probably go but he could come back I I I think I'm going to go under and say Manuel and Carlisle leave Charleston comes back but I'm not super sold on Charleston coming back what do you think
0: I'm not sure on Charleston he's the one that I I just don't know about like Sometimes there's some personal stuff that goes into this as well. We know he has a little one. We saw how tweet, sweet she is whenever uh, he had his little, little kid uh, up at the press conference with him. So I don't know, man. There's just a lot of stuff that goes into these decisions that we don't know about. I would probably say all three are likely to go Manuel, just because he's been doing this for a long time now, man, <laughs> and it's a lot and he mm-hmm. might just want to get on with mm-hmm. his life lies for the same reason as you nfl if they decide hey we think you're a top 100 pick man go get yeah. your money i like go get it go earn it you've just, you've earned it and charleston's the one I, i'm with you I, I don't know i don't know what his aspirations are at mizzou but it, it almost seemed like he kind of wanted one more try mm-hmm. to to get an opportunity to do this at mizzou and then kind of move on from there and maybe this is as simple as hey they need to be able to revamp the numbers in that position yep. group. You know, they, they like Carnell. They, they think that one of those guys from last year can be a starter for them next year. Um, you've got some options. Hibbler is a guy that we know is more of a thumper. So maybe he plays that role that, uh, Charleston was in mm-hmm. this year. And then Thompson is in the role that Carlisle was in. Carnell is still in that role that he's been playing this year with me and you being gone just more. So he will get more snaps. I could see them doing something like that, but then you've got to be able to, again, backfill Mm -hmm. that spot. So I think it makes some sense, and I also agree with your assessment about the offensive line. I don't think that's a position that you recruit high schoolers to immediately improve. I think you had guys in last year's class that will eventually Mm -hmm. help you there. I think you've got a guy in this year's class that will eventually help Mm -hmm. you there. If you can get one to two of those guys every year, you're in a pretty good spot. At a place like Missouri, you'd like to have more than that. But realistically, you're just it's hard to do that every single year where you're replenishing the talent on the offensive line. And then you got to go to the portal Mm. and you got to find probably one or two starters to be able to help you out there.
1: Man, I'm looking at (laughs) uh, Missouri's NFL draft picks in the defensive secondary since 2000. There have been five. And three of them have been in the past two years. (laughs) Uh, yep. you had William Moore in 2009, EJ Gaines in 2014, then Tyree Gillespie in the 21 draft, Josh Bledsoe in the 21 draft, Caleb Evans in the 22 draft. If you then have Carlize Charleston Manuel, not only declare but then get picked.
0: I think one of those gets yeah, picked. Probably, probably not right. all three, but man, like.
1: We you remember when we did what was that? That was that was a COVID year, right? The 20 all Missouri draft where we picked guys, and yep. we both commented, Wow, there's not a lot of good, good guys in the Missouri history that played in the secondary. Uh, we've got some better ones recently, which you got to have if you want to succeed in today's game the modern game anyway and uh, so that's good i that's 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 great linebacker too Lineba-
0: over the last few yep. years you've had some linebackers that have been added absolutely. to that list with nick bolton going in the second round a few years ago i think you could see tyron hopper uh oh, selected in a very similar really. area absolutely. this year.
1: linebackers you got sean weatherspoon in 10 andrew gashkar in 11 Xavier gooden in 13 control brothers in 16 and then nick bolton in 21 not just d-line zoo anymore well <laughs> we're not d-line zoo anymore but we got everything else, I guess. I don't know. So, yeah. Hey, welcome, Philip. That's a long roundabout way of saying, hey, thanks for committing to our team. Hopefully, you sign in December. That's pretty cool. Eli Drinkwitz met with the press this week, as he usually does, made a comment today, or I guess yesterday, that uh, caught a couple people's eye. They said that uh, the youth were, were taking over practice this week, given that it was a bye week, and of course, <laughs> given that everybody's injured. It seems that a lot of the freshmen were taking snaps with the ones, or at least getting a share of the snaps with the ones. He called out specifically our boy Marquise Grasiel, which was very nice to hear. But not only that, a little bit of DJ Westlake, a little bit of Jalen Marshall, Max Wisner, uh, Mekhi Miller, which of course he saw the field, so that wasn't breaking news. Taurus Jones, which he also saw the field, so that wasn't breaking news. But whose name came up, but of course Sam Horn. Now he's saying that he's not... He did not bring Sam Horm up himself. This is Eli Drinkwitz. He was asked directly about that, and he said he's got to earn his time just like everybody else, and he's taking the rotational snaps and all that good stuff, so okay. But, you know, we've been complaining about not seeing the youth on the field. Well, at least they're seeing the practice field, BK. So I don't know if anything's going to develop out of it, or it's just, you know, we don't have a game this week, so let's see what we got. Is there anything that you're hoping to see from this, or has the staff beaten it out of you that they're just going to play the old guys and you need to shut up?
0: Well, I don't have any reason to believe that this is going to suddenly have them put a bunch of these young guys on the field, like just because they're practicing with the ones doesn't really mean anything to me. And I I found his quote, I wanted to read some of this for you because I found it to be interesting. Uh, Let's start it here. If you don't have a full comprehension in college football, bad things happen. So whether that's at a, as a wide receiver, an offensive lineman, a quarterback, or running back in protection, they have to be able to for them to do that. That's our job as coaches to get them to that spot where they do understand things. That's what we're trying to do this week. No different than we're trying to do with Armand Mimbu, Marquise Graciel, uh, Tavares Jones, Isaac Thompson, Jalen Marshall, Kyron Montgomery, Arden Walker. These are guys that have proven that they have ability. We just have to keep bringing them along and we've got to continue to develop them. So a lot of freshmen around the country don't play. That is, Mm -hmm. it's hard. It's really hard to get on the field as a freshman. I think that what we have seen so far this year from Luther Burden is a perfect example of what he's talking about. To be able to fully function. Hell, we could use even to further this point, and we've talked about this before, Dominic Lovett. What we saw last year from him versus what we're seeing this year from him. It looks like a different player. What's changed? Well, it's kind of twofold. And I do think this is why it's more to the conversation than just saying these guys aren't ready to get on the field. And one part of the conversation, his usage has changed. His his usage in the offense is not the same as it was last year. Dominic Lovett last year was asked to do a little bit of everything. He was lining up outside. He was lining up inside. He was being asked to run fe- routes down the field. He was ru- being asked to run routes uh, at or near the line of scrimmage. And that put a lot on a young guy's plate. The way that I prefer to see this done, and you can really do this at wide receiver, but you can do it at other spots as well, especially a guy like Tavoris Jones, like a running back. You can you can have him learn certain things and not have him in on packages where he would maybe be exposed. Get them on the field to do the things that they do well, like when Luther Burden is on the field, get him in the slot, man. Get him in the slot. And I understand that you already have one slot wide receiver in Dominic Lovett. He is excelling there this year. That's been a change that they've made. They're putting him more in the slot. Hey, guess what? You don't have tight ends. Like your tight ends aren't good. They're not. They they have done basically nothing for you so far this year. Or at a minimum, you have shown an inability to utilize them in the offense. So instead of having that tight end on the field, why don't you maybe go with two slot wide receivers? and you go four wide in certain scenarios. Or you flex out the tight end, because let's be honest, they're not the greatest blockers, the one that you're utilizing. So put Tyler Stevens out wide and just flip, invert the formation. So you've got a wide receiver and Luther Burden that's lined up in the slot, and you got the tight end lined up wide. This gives you options. This allows Luther Burden to succeed because he struggles sometimes this year when he's coming off of the line of scrimmage and he's facing press man coverage. Anyways, that's a long way to say, Guys like Membu, Jones, Thompson, Marshall, Montgomery, Walker, there have to be packages where you can utilize them. I just refuse to believe that there's not, especially as we get down the stretch and you start to get into a scenario where, hey, six wins might not be on the table any longer. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to crush them right now for not utilizing those guys, but as we get further and further into the season, because we now have two years of them not doing it, we do need to start seeing some of these guys getting on the field, even if it is just for a drive here and a drive there.
1: Yeah. And Mikai Miller has been used. He's he's been he's played in five games to my count. And most of those snaps that he saw were he was a run blocker. So I will give credit to that one. Okay, he's out there. Now, that's that's kind of an injury thing, but okay, he's he's out there. But Armand Membu, they have gotten kind of creative with him. They've given him number nine, swapped out his 79 for nine, line him up in where a tight end would be as a sixth offensive lineman. That's fine. That's fine. That's some creativity. That's trying to work around an obvious weakness and get some guys in there who can get some playing time and also address the actual problem that you have. It is curious that they're not really uh, moving moving Burden in into a position where he could he could operate better. He seemed really comfortable operating out of the Wildcat against Louisiana Tech. Granted, it was Louisiana Tech. But you don't really see him do much other than kind of quick slants or bubble screens. To to that point, he has 33 targets on the year. That is the second most on the team. He has 18 catches. <laughs> Again, 33 targets, 18 catches. And, of course, the the yardage is 114. So that is 6.3 yards per catch, 3.5 yards per target, and a 54% catch rate. Like He's going up against SEC corners, and they are, for the most part, hanging with him and shutting him down. So get creative in how you get him the ball. Now, here's the other thing. He has a high ankle sprain. Why are you playing him? (laughs) That's the other thing. That's the other thing. They pushed out Mookie Cooper last year before he was ready. They're playing Luther Burton now when he's injured. Obviously, Dom Lovett's playing injured. Everyone's playing injured. And I don't – you need to win games. I understand you need to win games. You also need to keep the health of your players in mind. So maybe all this is just, you know, he's hurt and he can only do a couple things. So these are the couple things he can do. So that's how we're going to use him. And then he gets rolled up on last week and – who knows what's going to come out of that. So just
0: for context on this, Nate, so mm-hmm. pro football focus uh, snap or they they chart these snaps of where guys line up. So last year, just as an example of what we're talking about, mm-hmm. Dominic Lovett, what percent of the time do you think he lined up in this slot? Ten. It was twenty two. twenty huh. two percent of the time he lined up in the slot last year, which means he was about seventy eight percent lining up wide this year. What percent of the time do you think he's lining up in the slot? Uh. Uh, 85, 84%. You're right on. Wow. 84% of the time. Meanwhile, Luther burden this year, 88% of the time is lining up wide. 10% of the time is lining up in the slot. Now I don't have the exact numbers on this, but I bet you out of those 16 snaps in which he has been lined up in the slot so far this year, I bet you what? Five of them have been some kind of an orbit motion or putting him in a jet sweep type of a motion. I would bet a vast majority of the time that he's lining up there, he's going into motion to potentially get the ball. And that's also a tell. And this offense right now has a few too many tells of, okay, when this guy lines up here, this is coming. When they line up in this formation, for example a pistol formation last week where they ended up handing it off about 95% of the time. God, There's just stuff that the defense starts to catch on to where we do this, you do that. You do this, we do that. And it's almost like a plug and play type of a scenario. So uh, moral of the story, I would like to line Luther Burden up in the slot more often like flip his snaps in the slot with Tyler Stevens. Tyler Stevens has 26 snaps in the slot. That's 40% of the time he's lining up there. That doesn't need to happen. Just when, when you're using Tyler Stevens in the slot, just put Luther Burden there and call him a tight end. I don't care.
1: <laughs> Someone needs to just stand on the sideline with a rolled up newspaper and bop Eli in the nose when he puts Tyler Stevens in the slot. Yes. No bad. <laughs> Luther burden. Wow.
0: Or put Mikhail Miller there. Like, Mikhail Miller's anybody. Anybody. Put Barrett Bannister out there. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Like, (laughs) anybody. You're making
0: making life easier for your wide receivers when you line them up in the slot. It it becomes way harder when they line up outside, as we're watching this year, where the two primary outside wide receivers are Toski Dove and Luther Burden. And it's no surprise that those are the guys that are having the most struggles to be able to get open consistently and aren't having a very high catch rate as a result of that.
1: My so. God, Toski Dove, 21 targets, 9 catches, 101 yards. Yeah. On the outside. That is a 42% catch rate. That is by far his worst. I mean, God, what was it? Uh, his sophomore year in 2020, 44 targets, 30 catches, 300 yards, 68% catch rate.
0: Even And last he's year, always lined up outside. But yeah. it's just it's it's becoming more difficult for him this year. And I, I can't really explain why that is. But, yeah, it's tough.
1: I mean, just, just point point to anything. No, Tyler Beatty, not a very good offensive line, a different quarterback. Like there are just pick your poison, man. It's just. Yeah. Do you think period. that
0: they get him more involved?
1: Toski or Luther?
0: Sorry, the young guys. Reverting back to the earlier oh, conversation.
1: Oh, God, I forgot that was the question I asked. Uh, <laughs> no, no, because six wins are still on the table and they are more uh, confident in the older guys to get six wins than the younger guys, flat out.
0: And I'm, uh, to be honest, I'm curious your answer on this as well. And this can maybe dovetail into uh, our quarterback conversation, but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have a problem with that for the next few weeks. Over the next four weeks, if you want to say, hey, we still think six wins is on the table, and the way you do that is you beat Vanderbilt, you beat South Carolina, you beat New Mexico State, you beat Arkansas. Those are the four that you you try to point to, right? And if you say that, I'm here with it. I got no problem with that being the explanation. All for it. Yes, sir. But if you lose to South Carolina or you lose to Vandy... (sighs) and then you're playing New Mexico state and Arkansas at the end of the year, I better be seeing some of those young guys. That's when it has to start turning over.
1: I mean, my answer is completely on like how confident am I, me, Nate Edwards in getting to six wins. Mm-hmm. And that's getting uh, dimmer by the week. Uh, at the same time, Heading into this season, I said this team could improve and still be two and four heading into the bye week, and we'd have no idea that they improved, which technically is true. they are about ten spots better than they were at any point in the last two years, mostly because of the defense i will I will admit that openly, but it's still the quality of the team is better so you're asking me is theres is there six wins on the table, and therefore should we should I be okay with with the older guys playing <sighs> Uh, okay, Vanderbilt, yes, you need to win that. If you lose that game, punt on this season, put every freshman out on the field and close it out strong, baby. Uh, South Carolina, on the road, you're not eligible to win. Right now, they have a 35% win probability, but Spencer Rattler is Spencer Rattler. So, yes, you have a wild card puncher's chance at winning South Carolina. Sure, I'll give it to you. New Mexico state's a win. So that's three. Now you got to pick Kentucky at Tennessee or home at Arkansas or home to Arkansas. And maybe KJ is injured. I don't know. Maybe will Levis is injured for Kentucky. I don't know. Tennessee is not going to happen. So really it's Kentucky, Arkansas. That's so late though. (laughs) Like if you're so here's the thing, BK, let's say you win Vanderbilt gets you to three. You win South Carolina. That gets you to four. And then you lose Kentucky and Tennessee, and you win New Mexico State. Now you're at five.
0: Well, five New, New Mexico State, you should see the young guys no matter what.
1: You should. You should. Can this team pull away from them? That's the question. They, they should.
0: Have they have to. Y- yes. Yeah. My answer is yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay.
1: Well, okay. We, were, we thought about that with ACU as well, and it didn't. So I know. <laughs> like, I'm just saying. I'm trying, I'm trying to be, well, I'm not trying to be optimistic. I'm not lying. I would sad. New Mexico State
0: lost to Wisconsin 66 to 7. Yes, they did. I don't know if you've watched Wisconsin football a whole lot. Nate and the listeners. Wisconsin football ain't particularly good. Their coach got fired. <laughs> like,
1: well, this... Jim, Jim Leonard is the truth, apparently, because, you know, Paul Chris got fired and then they put up like 700 yards on
0: offense. But, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. That was also against Northwestern. Because, it was again, Northwestern. Again, also so not very good. There's a lot of bad college football out there, ladies and gentlemen. Was, um, yes. you, you should, like not put 66 points up, but you should be able to pull away from New Mexico state and beat them either way. That being said, does present a super interesting spot against Arkansas. And that's <laughs> like the thing. If
1: you, like, okay, you've got Do
0: you five re- wins and you've taken care of business against Vandy and South Carolina. The reality is you probably don't see them. The young guys against Arkansas. And then you see them in the bowl game, but and, then you still well, get two games against them.
1: But uh, okay. So is, is this a, you, you're at, you're at five wins. You have Arkansas at home.
0: You got to go for it. You got to go for the six. You points. have to go for the
1: win. I understand yeah. that how terrible is it going to be if you lose and that's that's really my argument for all of this if you if you stay with the guys who are going to get you six wins let's just say that's that's your 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 two buckets the guys who get you six and the guys who build a six for next year and you only stick with the with the senior bucket right if you didn't develop anybody and you don't get to a bowl game and you don't get those bowl practices i mean what are those bowl practices i don't know but like are you kicking yourself in the off season or is it truly, you know, Hey, we need, we need to not only win long-term, but we need to win now. And so no regrets. And I, I think that's probably going to be the answer, but man, you're just, there's so many missed opportunities to see what you have in these easier games. You would think that they would find opportunities, even if it's close to put them in and, and they don't because they need to win six. And I, and I understand that sentiment, but it, but it stinks.
0: Yeah. It, if you're a fan though, who just wants to see your team win. I do understand why you would be rooting for the best players to get in. Now, that being said, Nate, I, I also think that it is fair qu- fair to ask right now, who are the best players? Like, who are- do the young guys actually give you a better opportunity to potentially win some of these games? Because when Mitchell Walters came in, for example, the offensive line got better. And he is one of those young guys that we're talking about. Yeah. Armand Mimbu has been getting a few snaps here and there. I haven't really noticed him, which in this scenario is kind of a good thing. McKay Miller,
1: you notice McKay Miller.
0: He was super noticeable in a big spot on the road at the swamp. I would like to see more of that guy as we progress here. Sounds like Kai Montgomery getting healthy. Hey, my boy, Kai. it's good to hear from you again. Hopefully he can stay healthy because that's been the issue over the last couple of seasons. But Mm -hmm. yeah, man, rotate the hell out of that guy in on this defensive line. They're starting to get some some pressure regularly. And we know that they've had the havoc rate, which is awesome this year. Add one more dude to that rotation. No problem Mm -hmm. with that whatsoever. So some of these players that have at least shown an ability. Let's see what that threshold is. What are they capable of right now? Is 20% of the snaps too much for them? If so, all right, we can we can have like a rubber band effect where we pull it back a little bit in the next game. Is it not too much? And if so, we continue giving them more to find out, all right, what, what are they capable of right now? We don't want to ask them to do a job that is too much, the Peter Principle, but we'd like to find out what they can do right now to see a year from now what they're going to be able to do for us then.
1: I've, I have long been a proponent of you can lose almost as many games as you won in the first three years as long as I see some kind of improvement and it all comes together in year four. I've always been that kind of proponent when you're rebuilding a team. So the urgency for wins, six wins, bowl games, I don't share that. And I understand I'm a weirdo and maybe a broken person i don't know but i have a i give a lot of leash to coaches to to build their program that's just how i am and i understand that's not everybody and that doesn't sell tickets i get that so for me, it's always I my eye is always to year four. How are you building to year four? How are you going to break out in a year four? Break out to me is you know, absolutely go to a bowl game, absolutely win eight or nine games, challenge for the division late into October or November. Like that's that's what it is, and then continue to build past that. Got four years to establish yourself, get that extension for another four, do it again. I that's that's just ha- that's me. That's me. So. I don't have that urgency, and I understand the coaches do, not only because they have bonuses for it, but they would like to, to win games. I get that, and, and winning games is more fun than losing them. I understand that. So for me, I would be cool putting in, uh, uh, rotating in Sam Horn, rotating in Tavoris Jones, Kai Montgomery, everybody. I'm good rotating them in at any spot. You, you just tell me when. If it's 10% of the snaps, 20% of the snaps, 30%, of the snaps, I don't care. Just show, get them on the field. Feel it, experience it, maybe get pushed on the grass by a guy who's been doing this for four years. (laughs) Like, I I don't care. Do it. And you're just with the understanding that they're not going to be great, you might give something up, but, you know, that I'm okay with that. And especially if your unit is particularly bad, like, that's fine. But I think that they are going to stick with their guys until six wins is off the table. And then, and only then, will we start seeing a heavier rotation of young guys. I understand that argument. I'm okay with that. It's not what I would do, but I'm not getting paid $4 million to run this team. So I I, I go with Eli Drinkwitz's choice here.
0: The other question that I would have is like, how do these injuries play into some of these decisions? Because Luther Burden is very clearly not anywhere close to 100%. And Drinkwitz was kind of put on blast for some of that with what... I mean, the the, the visuals just weren't good, right? He comes into the game, Drink clearly told the broadcast crew hey he's got a high ankle sprain he could barely make any cuts in practice and he's trying to gut through this it's like okay uh seems like a not great decision but all right we'll we'll follow you here and then when he goes off the way that he did in that game it's like okay well yeah you you should probably go ahead and allow this guy to have a little bit more rest than what he's been getting so far Mm -hmm. so i will be curious to see what his snap counts look like over the next couple of weeks, if he continues to be slowed by that ankle. And it kind of reminds me last year of what we saw with Mookie Cooper, Yep. who over the first half of the season was involved regularly with the snap counts. He was a guy that was playing most of the snaps for them. And then in the second half of the season, he was barely involved at all Uh, in his last six or five games. It was four, eight, three, three, five in terms of his snap count for for Mookie Cooper. And the week before that, he had 17. So I think you could see something similar with Burden down the stretch, where he's just he's not playing very much because of that ankle, and they want to get him right for next season. And that would allow more opportunities for a guy like Mikai Miller. But I don't know if that exists on on these other positions.
1: If we don't see Luther Burden again this year, I'd be sad, but I would understand why. Yeah. This is, this is not, he's not winning the Blitnikoff this year, guys. He's not winning the Heisman this year. He's not really contributing in an effective way if he has a freaking high ankle sprain. I'm okay with it. Pack him in, let him heal up, let him get better, and then next year we'll try again. That's fine. I'm fine with that. That's probably the best idea. To keep trotting him out there and risk further injury is asinine to me. I would, I, would, I don't know why you would do that, but whatever. Again, I'm not the football coach.
0: How's this play into the quarterback decision, Nate? Because oh. I think that's the thing that most people are asking right now. And listen, I understand there are some of you that want to see Tyler Macon go out there and play. <laughs> I, we are not discussing him. No. Because Missouri's football team, their coaching staff, have told us with their actions more even than their words that Tyler Macon is not in this conversation. Brady Cook is the starter. Earlier in the season, they decided to go to Jack Abraham as their number two. He threw three passes; two of them were picked. He's no longer their number two. I'm not sure Jack Abraham. I, is he around? Is he MIA? We're not and really sure.
1: No, he's still there. He's still there.
0: Yeah, maybe. Um. Sam Horn is definitely there. And I believe him to be the number two quarterback right now. If anything were to happen to Brady Cook, I'd bet you Sam Horn's the one that would go into the game. Nate, would you play Sam Horn coming out of this bye week? You're going up against what is almost certainly the weakest power five team remaining on your schedule. The one easier game would be against New Mexico State at home. It is a home game coming off of the bye week where you could integrate him into the offense. Would you make the change this week? from brady cook to sam horn
1: absolutely i absolutely would because again i don't care about six wins this year i care about the long-term health of this program and to me without having to seen him so i understand how stupid this sounds to me sam horn is your long-term quarterback i do think brady cook outside of the two interceptions had his best game of the year against florida I also think it wasn't a very good game. <laughs> so it, it, those two things can be true. He can be your best option and he can also be not be your long-term option. So if you want six wins Go with Brady Cook. I don't particularly care much about six wins in a bowl game. I care about getting ready for the future, the long term with the young guys. So for me, I would absolutely put Sam Horn out there. Vanderbilt is much better than they were the past two years. They're still not very good. Like you said, they got two weeks to integrate him, figure out what he does well, get those reps with the ones. This is your time to do it. If you do it, do it now and just get him ready for 2023. What do you think, BK?
0: I would not. Um, And I know this is going to be the unpopular take because I would, if I had to guess on the results, if we put a poll up today of who who should start on next Saturday, Brady Cook or Sam Horn, what do you think? 70-30, 80-20 in favor of Sam Horn?
1: I can tell you tomorrow, but yeah, I'd say let's split the baby, say 75-25 Sam
0: Horn. Somewhere around that feels right. I think that the the tide has shifted and people are done with Brady Cook. They just don't they don't want to see it anymore. And I, I really do get it to a degree. He hasn't played particularly well. He hasn't forced the issue. And it's not a situation where he's a guy that people wants to see any longer. And you have the pedigree coming off of the bench with uh, the four star quarterback that came in after last season. And you want to see Sam Moore. I get it. I really do. You have the bye week. You have the weak opponent on the schedule. It sets up where this was always. We talked about it before the season. This was always a scenario where if things went awry in the first half, you could maybe make that change now. I would not. And the reason why is because if you make that change, and this is something that we just don't know. If you make that change and the guys within that locker room believe Brady Cook to be the better quarterback, Mm -hmm. you lose the locker room. Yep. Because those guys want to win, and they see right now that there is still a chance to get to six. They can extend, maybe it's their senior season, maybe it's their last year, even though it's not technically the super season, senior season. Uh, Maybe it's just guys that have wanted to be able to get to seven wins in a season. Whatever the explanation is, guys in that locker room want to win. And if they believe that Brady Cook gives them the best chance to do so, and they are seeing from Sam Horn on the practice field, which is what all the reports have indicated, that he is not ready yet, then you got to stick with Cook. As much as it's frustrating to all of us on the outside looking in, until you are eliminated from the chance to win six, I think you got to stick with him. So that means sticking with him against Vanderbilt, because Vandy is not terrible. They can could beat this team, and you want to go with your best guy in that game. Mm -hmm. South Carolina on the road is not going to be an easy win for Mizzou. That's probably close to like a 45-55 type of a matchup. I don't think it matters who you start against Kentucky or Tennessee. I just wouldn't start the young guy in those games because I would rather him have confidence down the stretch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then if you have lost to South Carolina or Vanderbilt, one of those two games, I would start Sam Horn against New Mexico State, and I would start him against Arkansas. Not the easiest thing to finish out the year with, but let's see what the young guy can do. So that would be the way that I would handle it. I I would not have an issue if they announced next Saturday at 2.30, as we're watching the pregame stuff leading into the Vanderbilt game, hey, Sam Horn is actually going to be the starting quarterback today. They've decided to make a switch. No problem with it. I get it. It is an entirely in play. I just personally think that if they have been selling us all year that Brady Cook is their best option, either they, they were wrong, mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. or he's really their best option and they should stick with him. And I lean towards the latter.
1: So I know I just said I would start him. Do you know why I wouldn't start him?
0: Uh, Kentucky and Tennessee?
1: Well, dat this offensive line. We saw what happened to Drew Locke when he got trotted out behind one of the worst offensive lines of the past 22 years. Damn near broke him. Damn near. Now, he was talented enough and confident enough that it didn't. But, boy, that was a rough close to that year. He had no shot to do anything. That offensive line had no chance to protect him. And this offensive line, the one that's 104th in rushing offense, the one that's a hundredth in sack rate, <laughs> the one that's hundred and twelfth in sack rate on standard downs, like that's that's the line you want to put him behind. Boy, you talk, you said I I want him to keep his confidence. If you want that, then you don't put him out. Not not with this team. No, you don't do that because he's going to get beat up. And the last thing you need for, again, long-term health of the program is to have your prized long-term quarterback pick. Just get the stuffing knocked out of him for six straight games. That's not going to build confidence. You're really not going to learn anything. And then we're right back to play Jabari Johnson next year because we've (laughs) seen six games of Sam Horn and he stinks. Like, that is why I wouldn't do it. But I would. Because I'm curious. I want to see it. And I, they don't owe anything to us, the fans. This staff doesn't owe anything to us except for wins. I understand that. So they're going to play the guys who can win. But I would like to see what that looks like. So really, probably my actual answer is play Cook for the rest of the year. And you give Sam Horn two or three series. I don't care when. I don't care where. I don't care the quarter or the score. You you find three series, two series even, just to put him in, if that's closing out the game, closing out the half, whatever, just to see what he can do against live fire. And it may be three plays. It might be nine plays. I don't know. But that's what Gary Pinkle did with Chase Daniel and Blaine Gabbert and James Franklin. He did that. And I'd like for this staff to do that with this guy just to give him some some live action. That's it.
0: How many true freshman quarterbacks are starting this year? Oh god, I don't know. I like the reason why I ask is because I just pulled up college football stats and I, I went through the the stats for the quarterbacks. There there were zero that made their top 150 leaderboard. Um so mm. I I don't have the answer on that. I just asked a question that I myself cannot answer, unfortunately. But I think that some people just underestimate how difficult it is to start as a true freshman.
1: It's very hard. I'm not saying it's not. Um, hold on. There's an easy way we can do this. Um, well, easy. It, it's going to require us to have paid attention to college football, Brady. Or BK. What am I talking about, Brady? Cade um, Klubnick at Clemson. Have you heard of him playing?
0: Uh, Yes. He played that one game, right? He got in uh, briefly like at the end series. of a game. Yeah.
1: But DJU is the starter at Clemson, right? Yep. Right.
0: Connor so I've Weidman. Got it. I've it. got it here for you. The guy at a power five school that has the most snaps, most dropbacks, as a true freshman quarterback is AJ Swan at Vandy. And again, he's actually the backup.
1: He is because it's Mike Wright.
0: Owen McCown at Colorado has 96 dropbacks as a true freshman.
1: Well, they got three quarterbacks, so they don't really have any.
0: So yeah. Next up after that is the guy that came in when Penn State starting quarterback went down,
1: Drew Aller, yeah, five star.
0: And then uh, Cade Klubnik, that's how you pronounce it? Klubnick. Klubnik, yeah. whatever it is, he had 17 dropbacks. No other true freshman quarterback has more than 10 dropbacks on the season. Yeah. From a power Cade five. Cade was team.
1: a f- Cade was a five star. Connor Wagman at AM is a five star. Ty Simpson at Alabama is a five star. Did not get the start when Bryce Young went down. Drew Aller at Penn State's a five-star. Walker Howard at LSU is a four. Devin Brown is a four. Gunnar Stockton's a four.
0: And none of so, those guys are playing.
1: None of those guys are playing. Even Nick Evers at Oklahoma, a four-star, is not playing.
0: And this is why so, I want to yes. say, like, it, it, they might not be wrong by saying that he's yep. not ready. And that also doesn't make him bad. I know that we want so badly, dude, for this to be like a... Everything works right away. And I'm not necessarily speaking Mm -hmm. of you, Nate, but just in general, as Mizzou fans, we all so badly want Luther Burden to be great right away. Mm -hmm. We want Davoris Jones to come in and just dominate as a true freshman. We want to see Sam Horn come in and show us like, okay, he is the future. There's no doubt about it, man. What if he came in and he really struggled Mm -hmm. because that's that is more than possible that he would come in and not have great numbers as the starter. And that is something that I do wonder if maybe they're guarding against where they're saying, hey, he's got talent, but is he going to come in and they're going to play cover one? He thinks it's cover two and they've Mm -hmm. disguised it. And now he doesn't see that there's a linebacker in his passing lane. Like Those are the types of things that can be really tough for young quarterbacks is just not understanding the disguises and coverages. For example, against Arkansas, man, Barry Odom's going to have some stuff mm-hmm. that is ready to go if Sam Horn is the quarterback. Kentucky, woo, buddy, their defense is going to have some stuff ready for him. Hell, even Vandy is going to make things difficult for him uh, in, in that game as yeah. well.
1: Yeah.
0: They don't have the personnel to do it, but they can disguise some stuff. I, it, It's just really hard. It's really hard to play quarterback at this level. And the jump, I think, is bigger than some people give it credit for. I mean, Ole Miss struggled against Vandy in the first half last week. I know it some did. of that is because it was a trap game for him, but like they, they couldn't get the offense off the ground for at least a half.
1: Yeah, it happens. Vanderbilt, by the way, 107th in defense this year. Oh, not,
0: that was not me saying they're good. They're not. Yeah, uh, no, I'm but not But with say- a freshman quarterback, any defense can look good if they disguise yes, things
1: well. Absolutely. The guys who get paid to call plays are very good at this. Yeah. Like, just FYI. So yeah, they're, they're quite quite a bit better than the freshman quarterback who will be taking the field. So it's yes, I'm not I'm not saying that to dispute what you're saying. I'm just pointing out sure. that Vanderbilt uh, is still not super great, but they can still make you pay if you are if you're playing dumb. So uh, so yeah, short story long, probably going to stick with Cook. The real answer is to rotate Sam Horn in just to get some experience, but they're probably not going to do that until six wins are off the table, which could very well be uh, the last game of the year when we find that out. So uh, expect Brady and hope we see a little bit of cook or yeah. Expect Brady. Hope to see a little bit of horn as we, as we go through the year. There we go. I don't want to talk about Florida. We're not going to talk about Florida. Any parting shots.
0: I don't think so, man. Uh, excited to watch the Vanderbilt game in a, in a weird way. Like, I'm I'm genuinely curious to see what they decide to do. I think based on their history, we have a pretty good inkling on what it will look like. And it'll mostly mm-hmm. be what we saw previously. Same mm-hmm. guys, same scheme, same results. But I think that it could be interesting. And if they decide to do something different, like Kai Montgomery, for example... I'd like to see oh, that I'd guy get on the that. field. That'd be fun We'd Love to see, that. you know, may, maybe we do see a little bit more of a rotation with Makai Miller getting in. I think some mm-hmm. of that stuff is possible, even if it doesn't result in a change of the quarterback position. So I think, I think that's, what's compelling about this team down the stretch. And I do want to see, especially against South Carolina, what they look like in that game.
1: Me too. Yeah. I, 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 like you, I don't know what's going to happen. You've got two weeks before that game. So uh, this staff is very good at taking the most prime cut of beef tenderloin and turning it into hamburger, but who knows? Maybe they'll surprise us with two weeks off and all sorts of opportunities to play with you guys. But that's going to be our show for today. As always, we appreciate you. Tune in, listen, in, and giving us all sorts of feedback. That we love that sort of stuff from you guys, as well as the downloads and the subscriptions. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm Matt Nate G Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk, and of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time, and until then, M-I-Z.
0: Z-O-U.